of Psalms uh, every Wednesday night until this Wednesday night when I got confused. <laughs> Whoa, I have no idea. I picked up, uh, I, I, did, uh, I did part one from Psalm uh, 58, and uh, I went back and I reviewed it, and I left it sitting on my desk, and I grabbed it rather than part two, which was over here that I had developed that day. So, oh, well, I have an excuse. I'm old. And I'm getting older with every day, that's for sure. That is for sure. But we began this a little bit longer than usual series back in uh, Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 25, looking at God's armory. We live in a fallen world. We live in a very darkened world. And yet God still expects us to navigate through this dark world in a way that pleases him. And that at least leaves a testimony to those who are unsaved along the way. And so there is no real reason for believers to not live a victorious Christian life on a day-to-day basis. Will it be easy? And the answer is absolutely not. It won't be easy. But it is nonetheless, it is the expectation that God has of us. And he has given us his infallibly preserved word. He has given to us on the day of our salvation the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God to guide us and to direct us to the expectations that he has of us. And so this morning's message is simply entitled, He Leadeth Me. And eventually we'll be getting over to Psalm 23. But as we look here at Psalm 25, uh, 1 through 8, no one particular verse stands out, as we usually have a key verse. But the various topics of late are things or events that usually happen to all of us at one time or another. Or as the writer of Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes 1.9b, and there is no new thing under the sun. So I'm not going to go through anything that a pastor before me hasn't gone through or a pastor after me is going to go through. Or as a husband, or as a father, or as a grandfather, or as a great-grandfather. As a citizen, uh, as a member of the body of Christ... I'm not going to go through anything that someone else hasn't already gone through. What you have, or maybe dealing with today or tomorrow, someone in the past 6,000 years of human history has also dealt with the same. And uh, we can rest assured that the scriptures having identified uh, any number of things that we have dealt with and will deal with, that God has in his armory the means by which we can successfully deal with anything and everything. Satan, this world, and our flesh throws at us. It's all there. We have to be willing to do the research. We have to be willing to do the studying. Or as it says in 2 Timothy 2.15, what? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be, to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen? We also know that according to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Verse 17 says that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So every aspect, every area of our lives, God has something in his word, in his armory, that will help us to win the victory. Will it be easy? Not always. So what's the point? The point is that we don't have to live our lives with the proverbial chain and ball to those events or people in our lives that hurt us anger us, cause anxiety, or leave us embittered and complaining about life in general. Amen? And there is never usually a lack of any of them. The devil will see to it that a few of them just hanging around in the wings of our lives. Amen? 
whether it's at home, it's at work, or in the neighborhood, or even in the family dynamic sometimes. But the scriptures give us uh, ample examples of people who won the victory and those who succumbed to their emotional responses in life. We may need to be reminded that within God's armory, we have all the weapons that the Lord knows that we need to be victorious Christians so that at the end of the day, like the Apostle Paul, we can say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now, he said that when he was in Rome, and it, didn't, it looked like he wasn't going to leave Rome alive. And we know that he was led down the Appian Way, and he was beheaded uh, for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he said at the end of his life, he said, I have fought a good fight. As he wrote to Timothy, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Uh, and you and I can have that same idea at the end of the day. It may have been the worst Monday of your life. It may have been the worst Tuesday. It may have been the, I don't know, the worst Wednesday or Friday. It may have been the worst week of your life. But at the end of the day, you can still come to that place having, having uh, drawn from the armory of God, from the word of God, the things that we need to be able to stand tall, to stand strong, and not to succumb to those emotions that this, the devil is trying to evoke out of us. And we can say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I didn't lose it today. Amen. What a blessing that would be. So one of the more important emotional responses that we have to deal with in our lives is a sense of being confused. We live in some very confused times. Sometimes the messages that some of the churches are presenting today are more social than they are scriptural. They're more about social justice. Listen, if we will do what God wants us to do, you don't have to preach about social justice. It should be a, nat a natural outgrowth of knowing what the Word of God says, what the Word of God wants us to do, and how God wants it done. But you can't ignore the Word of God and preach something other than, or as the Apostle Paul said, uh, who had bewitched you, and he was speaking to the Galatians, who has bewitched you and brought to you another gospel. He said there is no other gospel than that which he had preached. And so we are confused today. There's confusion about sexual dysphoria. There's a, there's a confusion about whether it's right or wrong to live together without being married. Uh, homosexuality. God loves all sinners. He just doesn't love the sin. And prior to your coming to a saving faith in the person of Jesus Christ, he loved you, but he didn't like your sin. And someone gave you the gospel. You came to a saving faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And now you were taken from the family of Satan and you were born again into the family of God. So all sorts of questions arise when something is amiss in our lives. Uh, or we are seemingly doing everything right, but nothing is turning out right. Uh, am I on the right path? If so, why does my life seem so out of kilter or meaningless? I can tell for sure that Satan will do everything in his power to keep the redeemed of the Lord confused. He wants you to be confused. Is this right? Is this wrong? Why am I doing this? Why should I be doing this? Why not? Uh, all the things that we can come up with for questions. And so it may be about salvation. What is, the, what is the true way of salvation? Well, pick up the Bible. It'll tell you. If you're looking for something specifically in the, in the Bible, God will lead you eventually to that particular point in Scripture where it will make sense to you and you will find that you, you need to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You're not saved because you were baptized. You're not saved because you were a member of a church. You were saved because you came to a saving faith in the person of Jesus Christ. So why does my life seem so out of kilter or meaningless? Well, what about Bible translation? What is the, what is the right Bible? Well, we've dealt with that. We've done our research and uh, some of my various different programs and different degrees along the way there. Uh, in each of those degrees, you have to go through some form of uh, translation uh, history and so on like that. And, 
and uh, you come to the conclusion that the one we use is the, is the right one for us to have today. Uh, we haven't added to, we haven't subtracted, and uh, uh, we accept it as God's uh, uh, final authority in all matters of life and faith. And so, confused about whether I'm in the right church. Confused about whether I married the right person. Confused about how when one should serve the Lord. Confused about friendships, entertainment, and on. Uh, we, we could go. Uh, and so we tackle the basics in handling confusion this morning among the many others that we have already handled on Sunday morning. So, Father, we pray that you guide and direct as we look to the message this morning. Lord, open our hearts that we might see, we might receive what it is that you have that challenge us. Lord, what, what point is it for us to come here to the house of the Lord and not have our hearts challenged, to have our hearts not encouraged, or to find answers to the problems that we are that we are dealing with in our own personal lives? So, Lord, we do ask and pray that you will indeed open up the windows of heaven and speak to each of us according to what you know that we need. And we'll give you that praise, whether it's the salvation or the rededication, or Lord, whether it's right here in the sanctuary or our home viewers this morning, wherever they may be. Meet the need, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the very first point this morning, and there's only two, but God has a plan for all of us. Amen. God has a plan. Psalm 25, uh, verses 4 and 5, we look there and it says, Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. And so the psalmist, which is David in this case here, had the realization that God has a purpose and a plan for his life. Now, Sometimes it may not seem like he does. Consider David, if you will, for a few moments. Put yourself in David's shoes, or should I say sandals, and consider this. He was a shepherd boy by trade, and the youngest of a family of seven, and he spent a lot of time out in the fields watching over his father's sheep. One day, the prophet of God comes to David's father's, to David's father's home and, uh, and anoints David to be the next king of Israel while there is a sitting king, King Saul, on the throne. Now that would be pretty confusing because we don't have any indication that Saul explained why he was doing it other than the fact that God had sent him there and that David was going to be anointed to be the next king. Now according to God's plan, David makes his way into the graces of King Saul. David slays Goliath, a little boy, a young teenager with a sling and a stone. He takes down Goliath. Oh man, you can believe that. King Saul and all his mighty men who are cowering and shaking in the hillsides there is really impressed with what David just accomplished. So David becomes a great leader of Saul's soldiers. He behaves himself when he goes out. He behaves himself when he comes in. He doesn't take any credit. He gives all credit to King Saul. Uh, he is trying to advance King Saul in the eyes of the people, of the nation of the people. But the people have their songs. They have their lyrics. And, of course, uh, they're singing their songs that David has killed his 10,000. Saul has killed his thousands. And, of course, the, the king gets upset. They have attributed to David 10,000s, and they only attributed to me thousands. I'm the king. Well, the gal can do the battles. Do the battles. But anyway, King Saul's behavior against David changes in jealousy and anger. And he's going to do everything he can to make sure that David never gets to the throne because he had an idea that somehow God was going to put David on the throne and not his son Jonathan. Well, David finds himself on the run for his life. Now, wait a minute, I've just anointed. <laughs> A few years ago, I was anointed to be the king, the next king in Israel. Now I'm running for my life. God, did we miss something here somewhere along the line? I'm sure there had to be some confusing moments. So I imagine David is thinking to himself of the last several years of his life. I was anointed to be king after Saul. 
I have only given my best and I have only, honored, only ever honored the king. Now I'm running for my life. Not exactly the plan that David had for his life. And a lot of times our plans are not God's plans. I, am, I was not in my teen and my early adult years following God's plan for my life. Now going to church is important. Reading your Bible is an important part of God's plan. Amen. Sharing the gospel is an important part of God's plan. For me, it wasn't being a mechanic. Now, I love I loved to do mechanical things. It wasn't carpentry. And it wasn't continuing to do computer operations and programming. All the things that I did after I got out of the military. And the military wasn't a career for me either. It was not in God's plans. I am finally in God's plan for my life. And this is where I have found the most peace in the last almost 50 years of my life. Is being in the center of God's plan for my life. And so here's David. It seemed like this is what God wanted for him, but he's on the run trying to defend his life and still managing to do the right things. Now, he makes some poor decisions. He makes some poor choices along the line. And that's what happens when we get confused. And so even when David made plans independent of God, things didn't go well for David. And so we have to be careful about making plans and saying, Lord, is this your will? Lord, is this your desire to give our lives? Now, I've known people who have had developed careers. And in a message, in a sermon, God spoke to their hearts. They left their career and they went on the mission field. Or they left, their, they left whatever the vocation was and they went into the ministry maybe as a pastor. I'm trying to think what his name was. Just dropped his name. Um, he was after John R. Rice. He was head of the Sword of the Lord. Um, he died of cancer, spinal cancer. What was that? Anyway, um, he 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 worked. He worked for the United States Post Office, and and one day he got saved. Fort Hills Baptist Church was the name of the church. I can remember that, but I can't remember his name. Um, but anyway, uh, be that as it may. Uh, he quit, his, he quit his job, and he went into the ministry, and he became pastor of Forest Hills Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Others I have known over the years, they have done exactly that because they had lived their life according to their plans, doing their own thing, never asking God what he thought, what God would have me to do, what God would not have me to do. And next thing you know, things aren't usually working out as well as they should be. And I've, I've shared with you, in, in Carrie Smith, now pastor down in... Uh, uh, Connecticut down there, I think, uh, not Southern Tim, but the uh, Manual Baptist Church. Yeah, the Manual Baptist Church down there. Um, he had a guy that came up to him. Well, he came up to a guy when he was, uh, the guy was uh, retired. He was uh, uh, doing crossing walk guard, guard duty on, on the, for the children crossing the streets and stuff. And so Brother Smith pulled off to the side road, went over and talked to the guy, began to break down in tears. He said, when I see you in Dr. Chapel up there, he said, I realize that that's where I should have been. Not necessarily in your pulpit, but I should have been in the ministry doing what you're doing here. But God called me. I rejected. I refused. I did my own thing. He said, God has been good because I, I, I've been on a parallel course. But I said, I know this is the one I should be on. This is the one I'm on now, and I'm doing my very best to honor God and all those things there. But... Many times we're living our lives according to our plans, according to our dictates, according to our culture, and we never check in and say, God, is this what you want for me? Is this what you want for my life? 
And so one of the greatest lessons that we have to learn as a redeemed of the Lord is to trust God. Amen? Trust God. To trust his ways and let him lead us in his paths. And that's what the psalmist is getting at here. He says, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed and let not mine enemies triumph over me. It was a little song that we used to sing in junior church. I think it was when the Cahills were here, uh, with us there, and they taught us that song. And uh, if I could sing, I'd sing it to you, but I don't, want to ruin the, I don't want to ruin the beauty of the verses, so we won't do that. But, uh, and again, he says in verse 4, Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. So God has a path. He has a path to me as a father. He has a path for me as a husband. He has a path for me as a grandfather, as a great-grandfather. He has a path for me as a pastor. And there's no conflict in any one of those. They're all working together according to God's perfect plan for my life. And as soon as I step out of that or any one of those roles uh, uh, and do my own thing, I am no longer in the Lord's path for my life. So when I say God has a plan for each of us, there are three, there are, there are things that we need to learn along the way of his leadership in our lives in reaching the goal that God has in mind. Because God has not only a plan, God has a goal for every one of us. Isn't that wonderful? God didn't just save us and just kind of leave us willy-nilly. <laughs> God has a plan for us as redeemed of the Lord, and God also has a, has, a, has a goal for us. One of the greatest sources of confusion in the Christian life results when we plan our lives, what we will be, what we will do, or how we will do it, without allowing God to weigh in on those plans. Now, uh, you may be exactly where God would have wanted you, but you didn't give God the choice. You didn't allow God to lead you to where you are now. And so, surrendering and saying, Lord, this is what I've done with my life. Lord, if there's something else you want me to do, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to do that. And the Lord may say, no, you're fine right where you are. And so, are my plans and God's plans one and the same? Well, I can tell you in my life, that was not the case. I had my plans, sort of plans, which for the most part uh, was, to, was simply to survive by doing something, anything that I felt capable of doing and getting some money and keeping a roof over my head along the way and my family as well. I was actually not a very happy person inside and God made sure that I wasn't until one day I fully surrendered my life and said, Lord, I'm tired. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being confused. I'm tired of being miserable. I'm tired of not being able to find the joy that you promised along the way. So, unfortunately, even when I tried to control and plan how that would play out as well, my surrendered life, God had to run me through some paces and say, you're still trying to hold on to the reins. Let go of the reins and give them to me. <laughs> and so the wife and I had to do that. We both had to surrender our lives and let God take over the reins of our lives and of our marriage and of our family. And so... The lesson I had to learn and still am learning in other areas of my life is to stop and let the Lord show me his way according to his plans for my life. See, it's not, my plans aren't important, but God's plans are. God has plans for our lives from the second you and I are saved and onward until we reach that place in our lives in which we can join the Apostle Paul. Whether at the end of the day or the end of life and say, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I am now ready to be offered. Notice again in Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5, and he says, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. 
for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Now, Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5, will direct us to take these several steps from God's armory to deal with confusion, a death blow. He says, show me thy ways, O Lord. Don't get ahead of God. It's never good to get ahead of the Lord. I think oftentimes we do we get ahead of the Lord. Preachers get ahead of the Lord. Churches get ahead of the Lord. And we don't stop to say, Lord, are we on the, are we on the right track? Are we moving in the right direction? So the first thing we need to do is, is say, Lord, show me thy ways. So don't get ahead of God. He knows what he is doing. He does not need you to put your oars in the water. Amen. Amen. He doesn't need you to grab a hold of the reins. Hey, let me help you here, Lord. No, he doesn't need our help. He knows things that we don't know. He knows about, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But my God knows tomorrow. He knows my next week, my next year. He knows everything. And so what better way than to trust him right now in the present to guide and direct me toward that, toward that end. But also in that verse, he says, teach me thy past. You know, we have to learn that. You and I do not automatically know what it is that God wants from us. Now, there, there are things that are germane, yes. There are things that are germane to all of us as believers. God expects us to study his word. God expects us to meditate. God expects us to pray. God expects us to attend church. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see what? The day approaching. I don't know about you, but many believers today are, are saying, listen, it looks like on a worldwide scene that we're not that far away from the, from the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there are things that God has in his word that you can pick up on that he wants all of us to do. And if we're all about doing those things, we can have a better and a bigger impact on our neighborhoods and our community around us. So let God lead you and stop trying to lead him. All right? Lord, I want you to, uh, I want you to work in so-and-so's life. And this is how I want you to work. And we give him one, two, three, A, B, C, and four, five, and six, and so on there. This is how we want you to do it. And God said, why don't you just shut up and let me do it? <laughs> I think he has to almost come to that particular point where he says, you know, enough, enough. You've been trying to run this thing for so long, nothing's happened here, so let me deal with it. And sometimes mom's day is hard because we have sons and daughters who have gone away from the Lord. Oh, that's so hard. Because we want, we want God to get a hold of their hearts and bring them back. We want him to do it softly and tenderly. When God knows that sometimes he just needs to lower the boom. And moms and dads, we get in the way, but we, we, we try to interfere and say, Oh, God, you've been... You know what? Ezekiel accused God of be, being excessively hard on Israel. When Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come up and took Judah into captivity. He really questioned God. He said, God, you're being tough. You're being difficult. And then God took him in the spirit back and he showed him what was going on in the temple. The, the worship of idols, the worship of images, the wor worship of crawling and creepy things and, and all the things that were going on in there. God showed him that. And Ezekiel said, oh, okay, Lord. God is never, ever unjust in whatever he does or whatever he chooses to do. He is never, ever unjust. But then he, the psalmist goes, he said, lead me in thy truth. Well, we can be like Pilate and say, what is truth? What is truth? Well, Jesus told the disciples in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He is the life. 
He is the truth. He even stated so in John chapter... Listen, uh, uh, our Father would chart in heaven. That's not the Lord's Prayer. That's an outline of things that should be a constituent part of our prayers. The prayer of the Lord is John chapter 17. All the way through that chapter. And read along about John chapter 17, verse 17. The Lord says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Emphatically, imperatively, thy word is truth. And so when the psalmist says, Lead me in thy truth, he's talking about leading him in his word. You know, during World War II, the German forces would alter the directional signs to confuse the American and the Allied forces. Now, as they're making their way from uh, the, 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 uh, the coast uh, of France and so on, and, and they're moving inland there, uh, these are Americans. Had never probably been to Europe in their entire life. And, and of course, they had these posts and they had these uh, signs on them which way. And the, and the Germans in retreat thought it would be kind of cute to alter the signs and give them the wrong direction, send them in the wrong directions along the way. Well, there were a few that were a little bit smarter, and so they, that, they figured all that out there. And so during World War II, the German forces would alter the directional signs to confuse the Americans and Allied forces so as to get them off track. Satan uses these same tactics and God has given us his infallibly preserved word to keep us on track with his plans and should we get off track, his word will get us back on track again. Amen? It's like when you were a child and you had your first train set and, that tra- and, and you know like most kids you want that thing to go look at he split around those tracks and so you turn that remote control, you turn that thing baby up here and, and it goes around the corner and everything comes off. Well, you have to go over there manually and pick it up and put it on track. When you and I get spiritually off track, the Holy Spirit of God is going to take us to the Word of God and show us where we get off track and how we need to get what we need to do in order to get back on track. And so you have to love this one where he says there, and teach me, and teach me. The problem with a lot of believers today is that we don't have a very teachable spirit. I have all this education preacher. What do I need to be taught? Because there are things that God knows that you and I don't know, no matter how smart you and I are, or we think we might be. And so he says, teach me. If you do not have a teachable spirit, you'll live your whole Christian life confused about everything. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, of peace. God doesn't want you to live a life of of confusion. He wants you to have a life of peace. Even in the midst of turmoil. Now, we were up at Lake Megantic in in, uh, Canada for a family get-together. Not that we're Canadians by any stretch of imagination. Nothing wrong with being a Canadian. But we were were Americans going up there for a vacation. It was something that my granddaughter and my uh, youngest son had, had worked on. A nice place up there on the lake. And, of course, we left Sunday afternoon to get up there. And, of course, then we get word, okay, um, Cambridge is going to be underwater with a lot of other towns. And so what do we do? Do we cut a vacation short and come back and see what we can do? Of course, we knew it was going to be a while. But there was a perfect piece that somehow God was going to take care of it. And God did take care of it. You know, God has been wonderfully and marvelously working in my grandson's home. We're getting things done. Others have come by and have volunteered. Strangers right off the street have come in and, and have volunteered to do them saving thousands upon thousands of dollars. Because you people have been praying. We've been praying for God to work. And God is doing wonderful things. But 
We need to learn the way of God. We want to tag God onto our lives and, and drag him along like a, like a helium balloon. No, that's not how it works. God wants to lead. God wants us to know why he leads us in certain directions as we go. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace uh, as, as in all the churches of the saints. Now, then David gives this reason, uh, gives his reason for all of this. He said, for thou art, for thou art the God of my salvation. He is the author of my salvation. He is the finisher of it. And so he says, teach me thy way. Listen, if we're going to be in this relationship, how many of you got married and you lived a separate life? And your wife said to you, <laughs> uh, it may come to that sometimes. I know, especially one gets saved and one's not saved along the way. <laughs> but, but I mean, not, not to me, why I say, you know what, I'm going to, you do your thing, I'm going to do my thing. Right? How do you think that's going to work? Uh, not very well at all. And so we had to learn some things. We had to learn some things about our wives, didn't we, men? Because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, husbands, dwell with your wives with knowledge. Stupid is the man who does not do that. <laughs> really, I mean, stupid is the man. <laughs> anyway, be that as it may. Nor did the husband say, well, I'm going to do my own thing. You learned about each other. And the more you learn, the easier it was to dwell together. And so it is with the Lord. The more we learn about them, because he knows everything about us. But the more we know about the Lord, allow, us, allow him to teach us. And we're a good student. Our relationship just grows and grows and it blossoms with each and every day. So the best way to get direction for and in our lives is to simply, yes, I said simply seek the Lord for his guidance. He knows what he wants us to do with our lives so that we might have the greatest impact. And he knows how he wants us to live our lives to be the most prosperous. He knows how we should live our lives so that we can uh, be the most effective. He knows how we will be happiest and most contented. He made us. He created us. And so we were created to function. Now, you know, if you use your car for anything other than what it was designed to be used for, it's not going to last very long. You can use your bodies for whatever you want to use them for, but it's not going to last very long unless you use it the way God intended for us to use it. And he knows how we will be the happiest and most contented. And so in this, the psalmist ends verse 24 and 25 with these words, on, on thee do I wait all the day. That means don't get ahead of God. Bring it before the Lord. Give God time to answer whether it's yes, no, or wait. And so we close with this. God has an appointed, has an appointed leader. Psalm 23. Let's turn to Psalm 23, just back a couple of, couple of Psalms. And there are times in which we feel a degree of confusion about many things. I hear folks expressing confusion about God's call on their life. I hear folks expressing confusion about God's will for their life. I hear folks expressing confusion about which translation of the Bible to use. I hear folks expressing confusion about how one comes to a saving faith in the person of Jesus Christ, about what school to go to and what church to attend and what job to take, etc. When we make the Word of God our compass, the Holy Spirit our instructor, and the Lord Jesus Christ our shepherd through a surrendered life, 
We will only want what God wants for our lives. And the answers are ever before us in the Word of God. Let's turn to Psalm 23. And we're going to read this psalm responsibly. So, in the reading of the Word of God, let's just stand for just a moment. And just a couple more points and we'll be done. We're going to sing, we're going to sing Diane. Diane, we're going to be singing and closing with hymn number 206, He Leadeth Me. So, Psalm 23. Get your Bibles open. Follow me along here uh, together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you can turn your hymnals to number 206 this morning. Folks, this psalm is about someone who has surrendered their life in full as a sheep to allow the shepherd to be their guide in all matters of life and faith. Because we have God's infallibly preserved word, we should never be confused about our responsibilities to God. And should we be confused, it should only be briefly as we meditate and study in his word on a daily basis. The greatest and most powerful weapon in God's army, regardless of whether we are dealing with anger issues or anxiety issues or bitterness issues and complaining issues or issues of confusion. It's God's word. God's word has the plans in which to deal with them all. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we could be together. Lord, you know the nature in every heart that's gathered here today. And Lord, you have brought us all here together for a reason and for a purpose. Whether as our home viewers or those in the sanctuary this morning. But Lord, as you have spoken to our hearts through your word and through the Holy Spirit of God, may we fully surrender our lives and our hearts that you might lead us, that you might teach us. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and not a soul looking around. As a child of God, you know that you've got a home in heaven. You've come to a saving faith in the person of Jesus Christ. But there are some things that you still are struggling with. Some of the things that we mentioned, uh, anger and bitterness and uh, anxiety and confusion and so on there, that you're still having a problem with it and it's difficult. And you say, preacher, pray for me in closing day. Pray for me in closing that I'll, I'll get this thing taken care of. Yes, I see a hand here. I see a hand there. Yes, preacher, pray for me today. Pray for me today. It may be today that you have you don't even know for sure if you got a home in heaven. You may think you have. You're not sure. You're not 100% sure. Listen, God doesn't want you to guess. God wants you to know. And you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt whether you're at home or here in the sanctuary today. Before you leave here, you can know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'll be glad to meet with you after the service. Just come see me. Say, Preacher, can I talk to you? I'll be glad to sit you down and talk with you uh, for sure. Now, Father, won't you guide, won't you direct, meet the needs of this hour. Those who raise their hands today, be real, be genuine. Lord, keep working with them until it breaks through. 
and they'll have that peace, whatever that particular situation is, or that thing is, that event might be, Lord, that they might have a peace that passes understanding. We pray for those who are dealing with health issues today that are very critical in nature. Lord, may they also have a peace that passes understanding. And Father, we'll be careful to give the praise, the honor, and the glory. Brother Steve, number 206. I'm going to ask you this morning, if, 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 if you want to come to the altar, and you want to meet with the Lord, or you want me to pray with you right here in the front, we'd be glad to do that. Uh, if you want to know, come to know Christ as personal Lord, you'd like to come down here and I can share with you from the Bible. But don't just struggle with these issues in your life as a child of God. Come to the front. Mean business. Give them to God. And walk away refreshed and with a peace saying, God's in control. I don't have to worry about this anymore. Amen? Amen. On that first stanza, he leadeth me. If God's going to, and you come, would you come this morning? He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort brought. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. God spoke to me this morning. Hey, keep singing. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. Me by his own hand, he leads me. His faithful follower, I would be. For by his hand, he leads me. Sometimes it seems of deepest gloom.
Texas Ladies Quilters, I guess, are meeting this afternoon and doing their sewing, what do they do downstairs for this afternoon, and you'd like to get out and talk to some of them about what goes on down there, then you can get down with them, and I, I have a little pet name for what I call it, the Count Adapted Sweatshop. <laughs> <laughs> They love their sewing, they love their quilting, and they do some great, they do some really great work. And there's some things you might want to pick up and learn. You can do that. Uh, go get something to eat and then come back, and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be at it. You know, the sewing machines and things going out down that way. Let's be dismissed. Father, we thank you for this time we can be together in the house of the Lord. How we thank you for the movement of your Holy Spirit. How we thank you for the infallibly preserved word that we can preach without compromise, that we can preach knowing uh, that, that, Lord, uh, you're going to use it, and it will not go forth, Lord. Now, Father, we pray that you dismiss us with thy blessings in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.